and you're very welcome back to the Public Eye Podcast, a six-part series of podcasts brought to you by Granite Exchange. I'm your host, Sarah Travers, and throughout this series, I will be speaking with local entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about how these companies have come to be, to gain insight into their growth, and find out how they continue to innovate. So wherever you get your podcasts from, remember to keep an eye out for all new episodes and subscribe to stay up to date. So today I'm joined by Yuri Lee Kyung, founder of The Wonky Brand. Yuri, you're very welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. But before we begin, I'm going to give the audience a little bit of background to Wonky. So established just before the pandemic last year, Yuri Lee Kyung put years of experience in the fashion industry to good use, creating a company with a cause and keeping a focus on social issues such as women's empowerment and sustainability. Having always found value in flaws and imperfections, Yuri created the Wonky brand. After recruiting local knitters from her new hometown of Kilkeel, Yuri decided to use the Wonky brand to provide skills, training and support to underprivileged women from communities in developing nations. Her designs now sell all over the world, with each item sold helping a woman achieve a degree of independence and financial stability. Wow, Yuri. An incredible vision and a mission. Let's find out a little bit about yourself, because you're not from Kilkeel. No, I'm not. I'm from New York. You're from New York. Mm-hmm. So how did you end up here? Uh, last April, we came to Kilkeel because my husband, my now husband, then fiance, he is from here. Um, mm. And we came to start setting up our wedding. But as everyone is aware, the pandemic hit and uh, we had to postpone our wedding. Um, Thomas, who is my husband, could not get back into the United States um, President Trump at the time closed the borders oh. and um, to non-essential travel. So he and I were kind of in a predicament of do we separate or do we spend the duration of the pandemic here? And so we decided we would stay here because it's just so idyllic and beautiful um, and probably a much better <laughs> experience than being in um, a little apartment in New York. Had you ever visited before? I did. Uh Three years ago, I think, was the first time I came to Kilkeel. And now you're back and you managed to get married. Yes, we got married, actually, right across the street. <laughs> oh, fantastic. And when did you when did you tie the knot? August 31st. So slightly 20. Slightly different to the way you had planned it? Completely different. Um, we had a wedding of seven people and my family was in on Zoom. So we had two different Zoom oh. set up for the wedding. So, yeah, very unexpected. Okay, so that explains how you're in Kilkeel now. And and also, you're, you're running your new business from here. Mm-hmm. Is it a good fit? It's a wonderful fit. Um, you know, it's so interesting with uh, entrepreneurship. You have this business plan and you have all these metrics for how you think you're going to succeed. But the moment you start your business, you kind of have to go with the flow and see how things unfold because it doesn't ever happen the way I think you plan it. You've worked for some pretty big names. Tell us about your fashion uh, history and career to date. I studied fine art um, in college and I knew that I very much wanted to work in fashion. So after after college, I went to Parsons, um, which is a fashion school in New York. 
Um, I've worked for a lot of big brands, um, including like DKNY, Victoria's Secret, and I think there's a store in in um, Belfast, Anthropology. Oh yeah, which is lovely. Yeah, it was a wonderful it was a wonderful company to work for. Um, yeah, so I after that time I got really um, comfortable with creating product that I knew the customer w- would want according to like what they're trying to project. But what became challenging is how do we live a lifestyle that has a little bit more depth and meaning? Um, and so that's when I started getting interested in sustainability and I worked with a company called Amor Ver that showed the public that you don't need to compromise on style to be sustainable, which was a new thing, I think, for for the industry. Um. You're a knitter yourself, but that's not something you learned at college. No. So I am knitting, yes, not as well as the ladies that knit with me um, for Wonky, but I was taught how to knit by my mother-in-law. In the beginning of the pandemic, I got really interested in knitting, and um, actually Thomas's family lives on a sheep farm. So I also got interested in how to make yarn. Wow. Um, I, I took the fleece and uh, my niece and I, who had a birthday yesterday, uh, my niece and I washed the fleece and we learned how to card and spin the the yarn. Incredible. All the things that you've learned <laughs> from coming to Northern Ireland. Oh, it's been so fun. So when did you have this idea for the business? Uh, I've been working on Wonky for, I think, three years. Um the fashion industry has been a really interesting place to watch. Um, I've been working in New York as a designer for about 15 years. And after 15 years, you get really good at telling people how to look cool or to look sexy or to look like you have a metropolitan lifestyle. But I found that after those 15 years, it became a little bit challenging to figure out how to live my life in a way that reflects like my ideals. So, so you felt that the fashion industry was quite shallow. It, it, I thought that there were ways that it could be done. Um, the interesting thing that happened was sustainable fashion started coming into play. And it was basically, you know, you can live your life without harming the environment. Mm-hmm. So it was like a live your life without having a negative impact on the environment. But it's a bit of a zero sum game where it's not like anything that you're contributing positively. And I thought, this is all very good, but is there a way that we can actually help people in mm-hmm. the process of doing it? Because we buy things all the time. Um, so is there a way that when we buy something, it actually helps others? And that's where I started coming up with the idea of Wonky. But I um, spent six months researching. I went to developing countries, um, primarily Africa and India, to see if there's a way that I could help people and find a way to manufacture so that it benefits others. There's been an awful lot uh, in recent times about the fashion industry Mm. and the changes that need to be made to the fashion industry. Fast fashion, um, moving towards sustainable fashion, because really there's there's just so much wrong with it and the damage Mm -hmm. that it's causing to the planet, Mm -hmm. you know, is, is almost irreversible. What are your views on this? Well, fast fashion also, I think, it all started with a good idea, right? Luxury made affordable, things that um, people, ev- an everyday person can uh, wear and be a part of high fashion. Um, 
So in the beginning, fast fashion started with democratization. Democrat I can never say the word. Democratization. Yes, I'm going to let you say it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was the idea behind fast fashion. But what ended up happening was just so much waste and um, a planet that couldn't really sustain it. So sustainable fashion became more and more interesting to people. And I think that that's important. We can't keep... Um, we can't keep generating the amount of waste that we do. But I would venture to say one step further that it's not enough to not harm the environment, that actually through fashion you can make something that creates a positive impact instead of just a, net, a zero-sum game where it's I'm not harming anything. Why don't we go a step further and we say, let's not harm anything and instead make this a, a vehicle for positive change. I mean, it, it's incredible what you've actually achieved. And, you know, to start with, I don't, I, I know what I want to do. I want to do good in the world. I want, you know, sustainable fashion, move away from disposable fashion. But mm. knowing that with each purchase of one of your items, a woman in the developing world will benefit. Mm -hmm. So you did your travel. What did you find when you were there? And how did you stumble across? This is, this is the way it's going to work. Mm. That's a great question. I think initially when I set out, I didn't know exactly how we were going to achieve this. Um, I think that's why the research was really important. What I learned in impoverished areas was that um, generally people don't get a very high education, but it's especially true for women. Yeah. So if you're lucky enough to go to school, at the average age of eight, women do not continue on with their education. So eight years old, that's it. Mm -hmm. That's it. If they go. No. So how do you then help a woman who has no education? Well, the really great thing is that craft is a generational knowledge. Women tend to pass it down from like grandmother to mother, mother to child, darning socks or, or sewing or knitting, these kind of things like weaving even. Um, women, even in the most impoverished areas, seem to have some kind of working knowledge of it. So the idea was if they're already trying to sell goods, how do we elevate that product so that it becomes competitive in the market instead of just a local business where people are making bracelets? Like, how do we make that into, can we teach them a little bit more? Can we upskill them so that they make product that actually competes with like designer label things in the world? So what did you do for them? What did you, what was the business plan when you went out there? Did you, I mean, do you sell things that are made elsewhere as well? So we... We're supposed to launch in 2020. Um, and depending on the skill set of the people, in Guatemala right now, they are working on loungewear samples. And um, they were part of the reason why we kickstarted this business was because they were working on product for us to launch with. Mm -hmm. And um, when the pandemic hit, we Thomas and I were unable to go back to America. But what we saw in um, Guatemala was that they were cutting off the roads from town to town so that they couldn't even get their raw materials. And they started encountering food scarcity. What was for us an inconvenience for them meant like a struggle in their livelihood. So in the future, you'll see products from these places. Yeah. But right now we're taking development very slow because we want to prioritize the livelihood of the women there. Okay, but you you do have local knitters producing wonderful products. Tell us, and, and you're wearing one of them on your head right now. And it's beautiful, <laughs> beautiful uh, knitted hat. 
Yes. The way that we got um, the local knitters in Northern Ireland involved was actually the inspiration was Thomas's grandmother, Sadie. Sadie Crutchley um, had never left Northern Ireland in her life. And yet she started knitting for children in Malawi when she was in her early 20s. And when we encountered this food scarcity problem with our Guatemalan partners, we thought, how can we help? How can we help the women in um, Guatemala from where we are? And so we thought maybe within the community, there are two or three other women who are like Sadie that would be willing to start knitting and um, raising money for these ladies. And what we found was just, I mean, I, it like brings so much joy to my heart when I think about it. We found that we didn't just have two or three knitters. We actually ended up with like over 20. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And did you just put the call out on social media or how did you, how did word spread quickly that knitters were needed? <laughs> Initially, it was just like through the, the local community. Um, the Kions have been in Kilkeel for a very long time. So it was the people that we knew. And then um, the story was picked up by the Morn Observer. And so we started getting knitters from all over and it's just been a remarkable thing i've learned so much about the ladies here and it's it just is i mean it's beautiful it's it's something that was completely unexpected but i think it just sets us up for such beautiful success in the future knowing that there's that people care so deeply about women that are even all the way across the world Mm -hmm. it's yeah women all over the world doing things and helping each other and what's so lovely is when you go onto your website your knitters your women that you find here are at the forefront (laughs) there's a gorgeous image of them some of them must be into cold water swimming they're they're (laughs) jumping into some freezing lake somewhere and it's it's just an uplifting beautiful image Thank you. The women in uh, Northern Ireland are remarkable. I found them to be so interesting. We, um, just in passing conversation, I've had, I've come to realize that not one, but two of our knitters are a part of a group of women that swim in the winter ocean regularly. So they're in the sea in that photo. Right. They are. Mm -hmm. We've thick skins, you know, I do, I do that myself up on the North Coast. You do? I do, yeah. I have such an admiration for that. I tried to jump in with them and they're like, you need to practice first. <laughs> you need to build up. Maybe start, <laughs> maybe start in the summertime and then uh, don't start right now. It's absolutely freezing. I think it was six, de- six degrees uh, when I went in the other day. But yeah, it's a wonderful thing to do. I think it's become quite popular in, in lockdown. It definitely is a whole reboot and, you know, they say it's very, very good for you. But you know, you've totally embraced them and who they are. How have they embraced you? It's been really amazing. I was nervous um, because when we decided, Thomas and I decided to stay here, it was, I have a very limited community here. Um, I can't even drive. And even the side of the road that I'm supposed to be on is <laughs> is opposite, it's yeah. just like upside down, everything. So I was really nervous. But what's been so remarkable is, um, through Wonky, I've, I've been able to acquire this very specific demographic community um, who are largely like women between the ages of like 50 and 80. Um, and they're just so lovely. They've like some of the knitters will come in with handmade jam or like a little cozy for me to use. Um, and it's just it's it's like they're people I've known my whole life, even though it's only been a year. So the community here I've found to be very warm and welcoming. 
This podcast is sponsored by Granite Legal Services, a niche business and immigration law practice located in the heart of Newry City. Granite Legal Services provides legal advice to both individuals and companies alike across a wide range of industries, from employment, commercial or corporate law matters to immigration law. Granite Legal Services focuses on providing legally sound, practical advice to its clients. To get in touch, visit www.granitelegalservices.co.uk or contact 028 3026 2200. Well, I know you were mentioning in other parts of the world how craft was so important, and I suppose it's exactly the same. Um, maybe some of those skills and those crafts hadn't passed down to more modern generations, but but they're still there, and mm. it's so wonderful to see what people can actually produce with their hands. And I'm mm -hmm. just looking at the beautiful hat that you have on. Um, it's really detailed. The wool is is gorgeous, but there's a little tiny sort of yellow lime coloured X stitch mm -hmm. on the side. And I was wondering if that was your brand, but no. No, the X. So what we want to emphasize in our brand is that um, each piece is handmade, but it's not coming from just the ether. It actually comes from someone spending time making it. And we really want to highlight um, the person who made it. We want to tell their story, if you will. And so our X's are each hat has a different color um, and it depends on the person who knitted it. So who made the hat? This one was made by Evelyn. Um, she's one of the knitters in, based in Kilkeel. Lovely. And do we know anything about Evelyn? Evelyn is in her 70s, but she looks like she's in her 50s. Um, she lives very close to my studio. So she'll pop in every once in a while and um, she'll sit and just, well, she, is it shoot the crack? Yeah. Is that, is that <laughs> love it? Yeah, we can shoot the crack. Yeah, absolutely. Shoot the breeze. Yeah, <laughs> Even shoot the breeze. With the crack. Yeah. yeah, wonderful. So you have a studio then, mm -hmm. um, obviously socially distanced now. Uh, everything has changed from what this business was supposed to have been at the start. This is a this is a real story of evolution. You know, it wasn't your original business plan to be doing what you're doing now, having knitters from Kilkeel producing hats and scarves primarily. Um, you do plan to pick up where you left off before the pandemic, go to the, the countries that you know the women that need help really, really need it, but they just can't deliver what they need to deliver right now. Yes, development is happening still in Guatemala and Bolivia, and we're setting up education programs in Bolivia and also in Ghana. Um, what started off in Northern Ireland as a capsule to help raise funds, actually, I think is going to be a continuous capsule that we offer because what I didn't anticipate is how well people would respond to women standing up to help other women. I had it in my heart. I knew that people would want to, if they had the choice between two hats, where one goes into where wherever, whatever corporation, and then there's wonky, where you know that funds will go to helping women um, hone their skills and learn a trade. I had it in my heart to think people would choose wonky. What I didn't anticipate was how many women would be willing to serve for other women that they never meet and possibly may never meet. But that was something I guess is that's um, Sadie's legacy. Yeah, that's absolutely gorgeous. Tell us about the designs. Are you involved? I mean, you've got your fashion background, but 
um, the Evelyns and the Sadies of this world, have they got their own mark, individual mark on what they produce? Yes. <laughs> At the end of their piece, um, we want to make sure that each hat or scarf is highlighted um, by the person who made it. We really want to help tell the story of the person who made each item. Um, so on the wonky hats and scarves and um, moving forward into other products as well, there will be a mark that's a hand-stitched X, and each stitch color is unique to the person who made it. Tell us a little bit about the world of fashion, because you've worked with some big names. Yes, the world of fashion is a fascinating place, um, and I think my relationship with it has evolved as well. I think in my teens, it was all about like how I can express myself, and then in my 20s and 30s, it's more about how I um, make a living. And it's really in my late 30s that I'm trying to figure out a way for fashion to be a source of good that um, directly contributes to someone's livelihood and ability to uh, work and generate an income and take care of their family. Have you seen any tangible results from this yet? I know that COVID has hampered your original plans, but how many women's circumstances do you think Wonky has improved so far? Well, we are in the first um, class of women that are being trained in Bolivia and Ghana. Like right now, we have women that are learning how to sew. I'm getting some of my colleagues in New York to um, help create a program that will not only teach them how to do like straight stitching, but also do finishings that make it look very elevated. So I'm hoping that it'll be, right now there's probably 40 or 50 women that are in those programs. But as the years progress and as we make more money, I'm hoping that those programs will just increase. And what's in the pipeline then for you? What's next? Because this whole journey, um, it definitely hasn't gone on, on a straight trajectory. It's it's gone from Manhattan, you know, via Kilkeel, uh, <laughs> got lost in Guatemala, <laughs> come back to sea swimmers, you know, in County Down. Um, will it always have a presence here, do you think? Yes, I think so. I think that it's... Um the Northern Ireland collection is integral to the DNA of um, Wonky. I think I, I was just so surprised by how many people stand up to help others. Like I didn't know, I thought it would be a lot e harder to get this journey started. And doing it here has just been, I, if we did the same thing in Manhattan, it would have been so much more expensive. And that's all the money that wouldn't go into the training program. So I just couldn't imagine wonky without um, the component of the generosity of people in Northern Ireland. How do you find being an entrepreneur and how do you find running a business? Is it a natural fit for your personality? <laughs> um, I think there are people that have natural entrepreneurial instincts. Um, I'm not sure that I'm one of them, but what I found that is really important to have is a community that wants to support what you're doing. Um, here, I am a part of Made in Mourn, which um, is a nonprofit in Kilkeel, um, and they support entrepreneurs and they support local artisans. Um, so, working with Made in Mourn has been really exceptional because I've been connected to people within the entrepreneurial community in Kilkeel, even even during the pandemic. And um, from what I understand, Granite is also like this. Mm -hmm that it's like an entrepreneurial studio that supports local businesses. So, I mean, there's, I'm very surprised by how much support there is in Northern Ireland. And I think that 
regardless of whether or not it comes naturally to you, if you find people that are able to fill the the characteristics that you may not have, you, mm-hmm. you can find that with other people. Yeah, you can you find know that your strengths and mm-hmm. you can ask when you need help. Mm-hmm. Do you think you would have had the same level of support if you'd stayed in Manhattan? I think it would be, I think there are a lot of people in Manhattan also that have um, different skill sets that could be beneficial to Wonky. It would be different. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be as um, grassroots, I think, as it's been in Kilkeel. We've got to talk about the, the, the differences, the culture differences. Um, was it a bit of a shock to the system to arrive in Kilkeel after uh, <laughs> the bright lights, the big city, the city that never sleeps? It was so shocking. <laughs> One of the most shocking parts is when I'm crossing the street in Kilkeel and someone honks, you know, in Manhattan, if someone's honking, it's you're moving too slow or you're in the way. In Kilkeel, when people honk, it's to say, hey, Hi. hey, Yuri, how are you? And no. I think that that was always, it took a, it took a while for me to adjust to because the immediate city reaction is like, why are you honking at me? I'm, I'm in my right. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have a fight. Yeah. No, no. Now, it's, now I see Evelyn over the steering wheel or you're, one you're, of the knitters. You're, effortlessly chic and cool i'm just looking oh. at your style um Thank yeah you. do a lot of people comment on it you've got a very quirky way of dressing and uh yeah d- i'm sure you influence a lot of the the women in Kilkeel with your dress sense <laughs> um thank you for saying that i think most people might find it weird <laughs> I don't. I think you look amazing. Oh, thank you. Very hip and very cool. Thank you very much. Um, the purpose of this podcast and why we invite people in is to inspire existing business owners and those ambitious entrepreneurs mm-hmm. that are out there either to start their own business, to take a risk or even grow their business from maybe a bit of a side hustle to, to the real deal by offering insight into the successes of, of business businesses such as Wonky. Mm. Um, How is your business doing right now? It's doing great. I'm very surprised by the response that we got, um, especially since the Northern Ireland part was, um, wasn't planned. Uh, It's, it's the hats and the scarves, the sales are um, plateauing a bit because it's not winter anymore Mm -hmm. as expected. Um, but there have been really good responses to the, n- the new capsule coming up. So so what's the new capsule? Can you exciting. give us a little sneak peek? Yes. So our Guatemalan friends are making loungewear. So it's all going to be hand-woven fabrics um, and some robes, lounge pieces, and a couple of bags. So that means you're still embracing the whole working from home culture. <laughs> The loungewear, which is, has come into its own. Do you think that's going to continue, even though we're hopefully heading towards leaving lockdown? Well, stretchy pants, I think, has just... <laughs> They're <run>. a necessity. <laughs> They're a necessity. I don't think we can ever go into tight pants and jeans again. It's true. It's going to take a while to... Like, the cat's out of the bag. Can't really? We're going to be in joggers and trainers forever. Well, I don't think you have to look like you're wearing stretchy pants. Mm-hmm. I think you can look look presentable but still have the comfort so I think you can Yuri <laughs> oh I, I don't know about if that. I rocked up in my stretchy pants all the time I think people might say something to me so then what advice would you give to someone listening to this on how to take that risk how to go from an idea to launching your business well I think it's important to start with something that you really really care about um, because I think as you go through in your business, um, there are so many things that don't go the way <laughs> that you plan them to be completely unexpected. But if you know where your North Star is and where you're trying to go, 
then no matter what happens, like no matter if you get turned around, you kind of know how to get there. The other reason I think it's really important to do something that you care about is because there's always going to be people that present you with the problems and not really the solutions. Mm. And I think that in the past, there have been a lot of different ideas that I've had. But, you know, one or two people will say something that doesn't support my idea. And it's really easy to just be like, okay, I don't really believe in it either and, and move on. So I'd say that when people do come to you with um, concerns, take it with a grain of salt. Right. And know that if you know where you're trying to go, there'll be people that don't agree with you, but there are so many more people that you didn't anticipate would show up. So and it's trust your gut. Yeah, I think so. Well, it sounds like you're on an extremely exciting journey, personally and professionally. Thank and you. I wish you every success for Wonky and its vision. And, you know, I really hope you can get back to training, supporting all of those women from communities in countries not as fortunate as our own and uh, you know let's hear it for the kill kill knitters and sea swimmers for everything yes. that they're producing it's a wonderful story and it's a delight to talk to you today Yuri thank you thank you so much Sarah this podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how Granite Podcast Studio can help Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service where our team, using your guidance and editing notes, to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.